It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Love Talk Radio. What's up, world? This is your man, Nick Eden, and I am here with the talk of the town. I know you're going to dig this. Here's the talk of the town. Thank you to the hometown Martinette in Brooklyn, where Bobby Millett and his orchestra are offering a program of that. Jen coming up with her show, Jen's Juice, or 
gin and juice. I still don't know what it's called at this point, but whatever it is, it's going to be hot. She's talking to all the ladies, so look out for that coming real soon. Man, this week was crazy. This was a crazy week in entertainment. I was looking at the charts this week, and uh, to be honest, I was not too happy with what was going on. First off, we only had one urban entry into the Billboard Top 10, and it wasn't even new. It was Nicki Minaj. She uh, jumped back up to number two this week, and uh, it was largely due to the appearance on Saturday Night Live this past Saturday. And I don't know if anybody out there has seen the show, but I got to tell you, um, the skit where she was playing the, the, the Bride of Blackenstein, I think that was probably coonery at its best. Yep. She actually spent most of the show showing her ass off to the camera. So. But hey, obviously, you know, you do what you got to do to sell records, and it was enough to put her back on the uh, back on the top ten. Mm-hmm. So, what can you say? Definitely want to give a shout out to our man Al. Al is uh, having a little procedure done. Uh, well, well, he just he's getting a couple of scans on his knee. Y'all don't know I was playing. Sports. I won't say with who, but uh, he was playing some sports and uh, hurt his knee this, uh, last week. You know that brother can't catch a break, saves life. But anyway, man, this discussion, man, is urban music dead? Like, do they really care about us? And to be honest, no, no, they don't care about us. We've seen a lot go on this week with not just this week, but this last last two years, particularly with army music has been a steady decline in the genre. A lot of people are saying well, there's no uh, good R&B out anymore, there's no good hip-hop out anymore, or it's just not selling. But to be honest there's some good R&B out there in my opinion, there's some good R&B out there and there's some good rap out there I think that right now we're just not supporting the ones who uh, who are out there really making good music. I want to go over some numbers with you guys real quick um, and I'm not going to lie, it's, it's a little disturbing. And Kev, I wish I would have a chance to see you so you could check this out. Okay. The sales for R&B and hip-hop for 2010, I mean, it was it, it was pretty bad. R&B, hip-hop, CD sales, the actual CD sales, they dropped from 60.1 million in 2009 to 45.9 million in 2010. The digital sales they actually increased a little bit. It went from 9.6 million to 11.7. Now, overall, the sales dropped, and it was a 30% drop. This was the biggest drop of all the genres of rock, country, blues, jazz, from 69.9 million to 57.9 million. And that was a big, huge drop, mostly because of R&B. Last year, R&B dropped from 43.3 million to 30.5 million. And that just means people aren't going out there not buying the records. Now the question is, is it because there's no quality music being made? Or is it because people are just downloading illegally bootlegging records? You know, who's it really safe? I know we got a couple of clips today and I have some new records. Well, actually I have some records that I want to play to you guys that are pretty uh, attuned to what's going on with this whole music scene right now. Uh, the first clip I want to get into is um, actually a clip. If anybody follows Jermaine Dupree on Twitter or on YouTube, he has this uh, this series on YouTube called Living the Life. And on Living the Life, 
he and another producer, Grammy Award-winning producer by the name of Brian Michael Cox, actually got into a discussion about the uh, the state of R&B music. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and we're going to get into that clip right now. And like I said, at any time, if you want to go ahead and voice your opinion, please, by all means, give us a call. Press 1. You can give us a call at 718-508-9972. Let's go ahead and get into that clip with Jermaine Dupree and Brian Michael Cox. The industry that we work in, let me explain to y'all how fucked up it is right now and how bad it is and how disrespectful I feel certain things. Is. I watched the Usher VH1 behind the music, mm-hmm. right? And I noticed that VH1 only talked about Usher records that went number one on the top 100 chart, right? Mm-hmm. Which was really sad to me because You Make Me Wonder was a number one R&B record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He has more number ones than what they actually said on the music, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But they only they said his first number one record was You Got It Better. Well, 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 no, 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 that was his first number one record to VH1. Yeah. And it hooked me up because I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not making more number one records than this. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know he had more number one records than this, right? Yeah. So it brought me to say that this music that we make, Urban, mm-hmm. People don't give a fuck about it. No, let me, let me say something. I, I had uh, a conversation with an executive who sure bang yeah. name was, yeah. um, and he told me straight out, like, you know, you need to make records that are urgent. Like, you make R&B records. R&B, people don't care about R&B. Like, last year, me and Adonis made a record for, for um, Genuine, yeah. um, Last Chance. That was a top five record. It beat the number two. Genuine was independent. So this is, like, huge fans. Mm-hmm. Number two record on R&B charts. Number, like, 12, number 13 record on the High 100 charts. Yes, and I was having issues talking about, like, why, why nobody, no, nobody's giving us a respect for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, yo, like, don't nobody care. But I know, like, top five R&B the top of the day is then I was looking at the R and B charts. But I'm trying to figure out at what point did that stop? Because I remember when the brothers Johnson had a number one record. It was number one. Number one. It was a number one number record. One. Yeah, yeah, number one. You know what I mean? Commodores had a number one R and B record. Number one. It was number one. Everybody yeah. said it. The Commodores had a number one record. Yeah. Brickhouse was the number one record. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out why our generation, why our why R and B records don't mean shit. Yeah. In light of us putting out an R&B artist that makes R&B music, mm-hmm. I want y'all to really, really understand how difficult this is and what we are up against right now in putting out this music that we're putting out. The music that we make is not considered as hits unless it goes until unless it goes to number one on pop chart. Number one on the high one hundred. I'm trying to figure out exactly when this happens. Now, my question. I have a question, and, and y'all can probably answer this. When you know online, or whatever. When a when a country song goes when it goes number one, because mm-hmm. it's a it's a number one record still. Yeah. I just left Nashville. When a country record goes number one, okay, it's number one record on the country chart. It's number one. When uh, when a rap record goes number one, number one rap record. When a rock record goes number one, number one rock record. Number one rock record. So why 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 R&B don't mean shit? Who is it that's trying to diminish this R&B music? Back live with Middleman Presents, Talk the Town with Nick Eaton. That was Jermaine Dupree and Grammy Award winning producer Brian Michael Cox discussing, you know, basically the state of R&B. And, you know, Brian brought up a good point. We're going to play that clip again a little bit later on. But uh, Brian brought up a good point 
uh, when he was talking about he was speaking with a, an executive and Genuine had a number two R&B hit, Independent, which for those of us out there who are independent artists, whether you have a whether you have a name, whether you have you know records from before or not, it's very difficult when you're an independent artist on an independent label trying to get radio play. So for him to have a number two record, we're thinking, man, that's that's great, that's wonderful, and the industry is just like we don't care. So Jermaine, Jermaine Dupri asked the question: Who is it that is trying to diminish this R&B music, and why are we not given the same? Why are we not given the same props for being on the charts that other acts are? Prime example: Taylor Swift is considered one of the biggest artists in the country right now. You know, and very rarely has she broke through, broken through on the Hot 100 chart. She's remained on the country chart, on the country charts. But yet, when they talk about her, they say, "Oh, she had this number one record, and this number one record, and this number one record." And I'm wondering why they don't give that same energy to a, a genuine or, or an Alicia Keys, or you know, they pretty much thought that Usher's career was over. He had several number one. You know, on the R&B charts, but they figured his career was pretty much over until he came out with with, with Oh My God. So who is it that's diminishing this R&B music? And if you if you if you want to voice your opinion, make sure you hit that number one. Give us a call seven one eight five zero eight nine nine seven two. And uh, Kevin, you want to weigh in on that for a second? I know you're back there doing your, your, your Diddy thing right now, but you want to weigh in on that for a second? Hey, you know, I got you on these boys over here, man. Um, <clears throat> seriously, it seems like with a lot of these guys, man. They need to get back to uh, what it was, Huff and Gamble. They need to get some good writers. They need to get somebody that can show them how to make good records that will last the time, the, the, the you know, the test of time. Really, that's how I feel about it. I can understand that. I uh, got a message on Twitter from R&B lover saying that there are no classic records anymore. We've had maybe a handful of classic records since the mid to late 90s. Now, I do agree with that. I can think that maybe out of all the classic records that we've had from the 90s and the 80s and beyond, like you go back and you talk about Luther Vandross and, and, and Boys to Men, all the way back to the Temptations of Supremes, you know, even in hip-hop, you know, with the Sugar Hill Gang, with, with Tupac, with Biggie. You had classic records, but you just don't seem to be having a lot of those anymore. As a matter of fact, the only ones I can probably really think of that would, you know, really be considered a classic would probably be maybe John Legend, uh, Ordinary People, or Alicia Keys, I Keep On Falling. You know, so, I don't know. Maybe it is the writers. Could be. You have a caller right now. If you have a caller. Go ahead and bring them in. All right. Caller, you're live on the Middleman Talk Show. Well, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. How you do? <laughs> I'm doing good. How you guys tonight? Doing well. Pretty good. Yeah, I was just listening in, and you know, uh, this is what I want to say because I always try to look at things from two sides. Now, true enough, we don't have as many classic records that can just last the test of time, no matter what year it is, if it's 2040 or 1960 or whatever. That is, that is true. But it doesn't mean we're not supposed to, you know, support our other artists. I mean, I always hear from my friends and people a lot of talk about, oh, I'm sick and tired of hearing that same record over and over, but yet still you listen to that same station. 
if they right. play a certain record uh, six, six times within a three-hour period, and sometimes it's more than that. And because we used to be at work and, you know, the radio's on, we're like, God, that's we heard that 15 times today, but no one says anything. And then we don't support the local artists when they want to branch out. We uh, always say, oh, I'm not going to see him. He only has one hit. What does that mean? Everybody has to start somewhere, but this comes out of the mouths of people in the black community who are fickle and don't support artists and don't support newcomers. And so I have heard a lot of hits on the B side, you know, records that weren't broke. And then you hit a uh, CD and it's like, wow, why didn't they play that one? You know, because I guess they, you know, and really I feel it's a whole monopoly. I don't want to give it a name like people running around saying it's the Illuminati and this and that. I don't want to give it a name, but it is whoever is getting their pockets stuffed with the big bucks. That is who, you know, is trying to have a downfall for American radio, period, uh, R&B radio, and R&B mu- musicians. I mean, it's just, that is something that's clean cut and something that's, uh, you know, okay. They would rather play the stuff that where the rapper's singing down near the ABCs, and, you know, and playing playing the little kitty stuff that we don't want to hear over and over then to support something that might sound like a regular good proper R&B record, you know. Anything okay. to uh, degradate us and, and we're at fault our own self for compromising to it and going along with it and not saying anything and not calling the radio station and harassing them and saying, why have we heard the song for the 15th time? You know, I know cats are trying to break into the music business and they got to go pay a $1,000 to get a record played. And when I had my internet radio show, I gladly played people records for no money because I wanted to help new artists. So, you know, why is the radio station telling you I need a thousand to play your record? And then next thing they play it there once and they like, oh, yeah, I, I wasn't feeling that. You didn't give anybody time to feel it. Now, which I think artists should put all you know, the proper amount of work into a project. And they, everybody quits being they, uh, yay, yay people and saying, yeah, buddy, that sounds good because you don't want to hurt your buddy, you know, feelings. If something don't sound good, let them know because a lot of this stuff, I, even if they were new people, I would tell them, you know, I'm not playing that on my show. I don't, I'm not digging that, you know. Well, let me ask you this because you, you brought up two good points. Uh, one as far as, Everybody saying, "Oh, they only have one hit." You know, I'm not going to see them. I'm not. I'm not going to support them. But if you if you look back at artists like Solomon Burke and Percy Sledge, who each, you know, they their the high point of their careers it was one song with Percy Sledge. It was. Uh, uh, when a man loves a woman. When a man loves a woman. I'm sorry. I got. And mm-hmm. even Benny King would stand by me, and Solomon yeah. Burke would uh would cry to me. You know. They still, you know, up until their later years, toured, you know, off of those hits. Because right. Because stood the test of time. So I, I, I agree with you in that sense. I also agree with Kevin in the, in the sense that there do need to be more quality records. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't deny a good record. Right. You can't right. deny a good record. And there are so many avenues now. Like, I know people, for the most part, you know, really don't listen to radio as much as they used to They may listen to it at work But even at work 
you know, depending on where you work, you might not be able to listen to what is on the, the mainstream station. Right. You know, but for me, coming from a, because I actually used to sell radio advertising, I know that one way that we can influence these radio stations is, one, by realizing that the music industry does not control radio. Advertising controls radio. Right. We are the consumers. Oh. So if we start going, if we start going after the advertisers, these are the ones who are pumping the money into the station. And if okay. the advertisers are saying we want to support a more diversified playlist, if the advertisers are the ones that they're saying we want to support, you know, more local artists because they bring local business to us, you know, then we will start to see a, 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 a change in radio. Right, right. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And so you said you had a, a internet radio station. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had an internet, I had uh, internet show. It was it was also on Blog Talk. It was uh, it's called Naked Conversations. It's just that I'm in some studies right now and and right. and doing some other things. So I really haven't you know been back to it. But uh, it you know it it gave me a wide audience for a lot of different mediums with different things that I was doing uh, and made a lot of good connections with a lot of people. And I was helping a you know a whole lot of people out that uh, that were from you know my area and because um, I, I was in Mississippi at the time I'm in Fort Lauderdale now and so a lot of people I was you know helping trying to break their records and 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 they they would take the shows and send them to people in New York and that's how they would get their records played you know you know and uh, but some would send me records and I would tell them hey buddy I really don't think I don't like the way this sounds and. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm just like, this doesn't sound like it's going to be anything, you know. <laughs> you know, I was trying to give them constructive criticism where it was needed because you have a lot of people running around just telling people, yeah, it's everything they do, and it's just not so, you know. So people feel they don't have to work as hard. You know, it's like a lot of musicians are very lazy <laughs> these days. They don't work as hard on a product as uh, people used to. Well, and, and I, I definitely agree with that. I think that might go more into the whole field of why urban music is suffering. Because in right. my personal opinion, you know, back in the days you used to have, you had your musicians, they would come in instead of somebody just being on a Fruity Loops or on a keyboard, you know, making the tracks, sending it to the artist, the artist record the track, you send it to the record label, the record label says yay or nay, and then they process it. When you have those musicians in there, and I'm a vocalist myself, when you have those right. musicians in there, you know, you start to get in that life, that feeling, and, and it, there may be some improv in there and be something that's put into the record that would have otherwise never been in there before, you know. It's, it's not exactly. as producers as it used to be there are a lot of beat makers. Right, that, man, that is so true. Yeah, it's, it's not a lot of producers there. And even now, you know, thrill, Michael Jackson's Thriller is considered one of the, the, the huge classics of all time. It's the largest selling album of all time. Right. And that was one producer. That was Quincy Jones and Michael in the studio turning exactly. those records out organically. Now it's about, oh, well, such and such is a hot producer now, so we're going to get a track from him. And then... This person, they're the hot producer, so we're going to get another track, and then we're going to get a B-side from them, and then maybe in the course of that we'll have some album tracks. And by the time you get it, it sounds more like a compilation of producers than it does an actual artist. So, exactly. I definitely appreciate that. So, we right. definitely appreciate the call, and we're about to actually go into our first song of the day. 
please remain on the uh, line. If you'd like to uh, chime in again, go ahead and hit that number one for us. Thank no problem. You. All right. Yeah. The first song we're going to play today is a song that was, um, you got to really interpret the lyrics on this song. Because it's talking about what we're talking about right now, you know, with the urban music and how it's changed over the years. The first song of the day is Erica Badu featuring Common, Love of My Life. And you're listening live to Milkman Present, Talk of the Town with me. Right here, we're going to do this little bit.
back live with the Middleman Presents Talk of the Town with Nick Eaton. I want to thank everybody for listening in. We definitely appreciate you. I want to give a big shout out to one of the greater producers in R&B music today, Mr. Chucky Charles, listening in with us. Definitely wouldn't mind getting you in and getting some of your insight on this subject. We're talking about the death of urban music. Do they really care about it? That's the big question on everyone's mind. Well, I have a question. Is it our fault? Are we the reason that urban music is declining? Because at the end of the day, you know, the fans are the ones who actually go out and purchase the records. You know, mind you, there are some labels that purchase records, but that's a whole other show. But ultimately, it's the fans who go out and purchase the records. So is it the case of us just not being into the music? Is it because we know we can get it for free that decide not to support it like that? You know, I actually, I talked to one young man online the other day, and he said that his way of supporting the artist was by going to their concert. And while I think that's great, because his, his, his premise behind it was he didn't buy the record because the record label never pays the artist. So he just goes to the concerts to support the artists. And I, I, while I do, you know, appreciate his forward-thinking motion of knowing that a lot of times the record labels are screwing over the artists, at the same time, you live in Evergreen, Alabama, and there aren't that many concerts floating between Montgomery and Mobile for you to go to like that. But that's a lot. That's the, you know, honestly, that's the mentality of a lot of people. And I think part of that is. I think a lot of people are obsessed with music business, even those who aren't involved. You know, just your every your everyday average fan will know the first week of you know someone's sale. Uh, I remember when um, Jermaine Dupri's artist uh, Dondria, um, her album debuted, and she sold I want to say 9,700 copies the first week. Now this is independent, even though those aren't the best looking numbers. It's still independent, you know. The new artists, and not too many new artists being broken nowadays. All over Twitter, everybody's saying, oh, her first week sales were this, were that, were this, were that. And I got to thinking, you know, when I was coming up, when I was a, you know, a kid, music, I didn't I didn't know nor did I care about someone's first week sales or, or how many records they sold. I just knew that I liked the music. And because I liked the music, I was going to support it. But I think everybody now is just becoming a little, everybody's a, you know, a producer now or a manager or a CEO. Everybody wants to be in the music business. And I'm wondering if that's one of the things that's diminishing this music. I don't want to stay on R&B the whole time. I do want to talk about some hip-hop because, quite frankly, a lot of people have been putting the blame on hip-hop for the decline in, in the sales of music. Now, just to throw out some other numbers, I know we talked about this a little earlier, but in 2009, from 2009 to 2010, hip-hop actually increased. It actually increased the sales. Now, in 2009, hip-hop album sales increased from 26.4 million in 2009 to 27.3 million in 2010. And that was the only genre to increase. Everything else fell. But if you compare that to the chart 10 years ago, in 2000, hip-hop sold 107 million for the year. 
saw the go from 107 million to 27.3 million. Is hip hop to blame for urban music decline? Who knows? Kev? Right there. Put the coffee down, Kev. You can tell me. <laughs> Chill out, man. I know you're trying to wake up. <clears throat> yeah, really, I am. But hip-hop sucks. I say that. I know one thing, though. If we don't learn how to develop these artists, if we don't learn how to uh, put everything in perspective as far as putting um, people that know music, people that have... Um, you know, that, that no instruments and, and that can learn instruments, we don't teach these kids instruments, then we're going to continue to have the synthesizers as far as cats sitting behind the boards that's using fruity loops and all that good stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's not a good outlook as far as pure musicianship later on. Right now, everything is generic. Um, I mean, they just come in with the same old thing. That's just my opinion on that, man. I see that. And he's back to the coffee. <laughs> I got some. I got something to say too, Nick. Uh, Go ahead. I, I think uh, growing up in the age, grew up in, um, you know, we blessedly grew up in the age, but we had good and had that understood how to take and how uh, you, you, Your transition slipping. Your trans, say, say it for me again. <laughs> okay. I said, I said, we were lucky to grow up in the age where we had that understood how to make this and think to make this that they want to that they or I feel this but you know the following like I need to make a Gucci Man record or I need to make a Waka Flocka record in order for me to be hot you know that's the age in which we're in right now that's why music sucks that's why a lot of rap sucks that's why you know some of the stronger R&B acts that we had back in the day we don't have that now you know because people are imitating what they feel is good music, which is not good music. So, that's my little rant. And, and you know, I, I agree. I agree. But I, I think it's a little deeper than that. And, 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 okay, and let, me tell, let, me, let me tell you why I say that. One, um, for those who don't know, when we say, you know, the era that we grew up in, most of us, we, you know, we came up during what I feel is the last great era of music you know and 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 that was that was the 90s that's when you had hip hop you know you had quality hip hop that was out there and it was selling you know there was a balance for every soldier boy you had you had a, a, a most deaf you know who you know you a lot of times those artists were regulated to being to having joke records one record that right. sticks in my mind was uh, was Kilo with uh, you know I yep. wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a baller like it was right. it was a fun record it was a party record you know but at the same time you had a you had a balance you know I can right. recall Nelly being considered you know the the, the worst thing to happen to hip hop in years now everybody's looking back at Nelly like damn you wasn't that bad hey but you got to think about that Kilo song to me that song was believable. Because it was a lot of cats out there going through what he was actually going through and writing about in that song. That was a believable joke record, though. Uh, you're right. You're all right about that. You're all right about that. And and that kind of goes into the, the, the to it with the content of hip-hop. This is what I think happened. This is what I think happened with hip-hop. 
what I think happened with hip hop was I think that at some point in the early 2000s a lot of hip hop artists became really bitter you might agree you might not agree but I think at the end of the day anybody who's been in this industry you know and, and been in this industry for for a while can really agree with me when I say that the industry at the end of the day they only respect the hits they don't necessarily you know the artistry of it is great that's fine that's, that's, that's good but they really respect the hits. So I think at a certain point, a lot of hip-hop artists started getting bitter because what was being put on the radio was a lighter sound than what we had in the, the, the late 80s and the 90s. It was a different time, though. You had to think. At the time, we had a lot of, you know, we had a lot more to, to think about what was going on. You know, we were coming off of Reaganomics. You know, we were, we, we were coming off the crack epidemic. People had things to say. People felt a certain way, and they wanted to hear what other people who felt like them had to say. But somewhere along the lines of that, it was like, you know, we're going to put more party records on the radio. We're going to keep people dancing more and get their minds away from the problems. Call it a conspiracy theory. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. Somewhere along those lines, a lot of the really talented artists, hip-hop and R&B, they stopped working. Don't get me wrong. There's some people out there that get out there and they work and grind every day. And I applaud them for that. And I try my best every time to just give them as much props as I can and try to help by giving them as much exposure as I can. But to be honest, a lot of those those rappers that go out and they put a, a Waka Flocka type record out or a Gucci Mane record, they're, they're out working them. You know, because they know they don't have the talent they're out there. They're hitting those open mics every night. They're in your face every day. They're trying to make you like their record because they know they don't. I don't have the talent of this rapper, but I don't care if I got to get on the Marta and go all around town, stop off at every place and put like I, I I see these cats and they're out there and they're really out working. I think a lot of times the ones who have talent say, "Hey, you know what? I have talent, so you're supposed to recognize talent." And I think that's where some of the decline started. A lot of those artists that just not work. And then on top of that, there's nothing wrong with making a party record every now and then. You know, you have someone like Jay Z who will make a song called Song Cry, but then he'll turn around the same album and make H to the Ism. Or you'll have someone like Eminem who always comes out with a, a really joke, joke record and then comes back out with something deep. You know, it's, it's it's nothing wrong with that. It's called being artistic. You have, but you have to have that balance. And a lot of people just don't have that balance anymore. Now it's all party records. I don't really want to call these cats up, but actually I really don't care. Travis Porter, all party records. Now, to be honest, am I going to go out and buy their album? No. Is it because I'm hating on them? Absolutely not. It's just that I don't see there's anything in there for me. That's right. You know, I like hip hop with some stuff to it. I like the roots. I like you know common, most death, public, public. I like Little Brother. You know, those, those, that's, that's what I like. I don't feel that, you know, trap. they'll be good for a party record every now and then. It's nice to see the girls dancing at the club. But at the end of the day, do I see myself going out and saying, I got to have this album in my life. And I think that's the difference. Now people know, hey, I don't have to buy your record. I don't have to buy your record. I don't care who you are. I can find a way. If you just put your music online, I can find a way, find a way to rip it. I don't have to buy it. 
They don't have to buy music now. And so you couple that with people being lazy. And now the funny thing about it, though, in terms of sales, when you look at hip-hop and when you look at R&B in the last year, and I'm really just going about this last year because the industry changes so much, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Things that you can do now were unthinkable to be ago. Now, hip-hop's biggest seller in 2010, Eminem, he sold 3.4 million copies of his album, Recovery. Now, right behind him was Drake with 1.3 million for his album, Thank Me Later. Those were the two highest-selling albums of 2010. And a lot of people think that Drake is all hype, but to be honest, Drake, Drake does have talent. So as you can see, the albums as a whole that are being sold. Now, that's a far cry from 10 years ago when Eminem was at 11 million. And Nelly was right behind him with eight. But in light of illegal downloading and in light of this recession, you can still see that the really talented ones are the ones that are still selling. Another prime example, now I'm pretty sure that most people out there who don't pay attention to the sales will probably think that Trey Songz was the biggest R&B artist of last year when that was nowhere near the case. Not hating on Trey Songz, but it's just, it just is what it is. Because R&B's biggest seller for 2010 was Alicia Keys. Now it's with 1.4 million sold from her album, Elements of Freedom. Now, here's the kicker. What, who came in second with 1.1 million was Sade. So what does that tell you? Wow. I sat there and I've listened to record execs say all the time that the younger people are the ones who are buying the records. The older people don't buy records anymore. The younger people, we have to cater to the younger crowd. They're the ones who are buying records. But Alicia Keys' crowd is around 23 to 40, I'll say about 25 to 45. Let's just say that much. It's a roundabout figure. Sade is definitely 30 plus. A lot of it. I don't know too many kids that are just rolling around with a shot record. So it just goes to show that one, another reason that I feel that this decline is happening is because the music industry as a whole doesn't have a grip on what's going on. They don't really know how to, they haven't learned how to tame the internet because they tried to go against the internet at first and when that didn't work they tried to catch up to it and it changes so much that you can't catch up to it. So, Al, let me ask you this question. And we're going to get into our, our second break in, in just a second, but I want to leave off with this because this is going into our next song that we're playing up. With the R&B artists that are out right now, have you noticed that the ones who are considered the ones of substance have been given this this tag of neo-soul? Like, am I the only one that's noticed that? Because it just, it just seems like Everybody is, uh, everybody wants, it's so quick to just say, oh, if it's good music, they're neo-soul. We got to listen right. to them on, on internet radio or they're on centric. You know, they, they they pretty much push them out of, like, the, the mainstream music stations on TV and radio. And it's just yeah, funny. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, most, most definitely. I mean, you know, like, at one point, you know, I actually thought that 
know, Neo Soul was going to have, like, their own driving force, in which they did at one point. But, you know, they got pushed aside. I mean, it's, you know, hey, it'll probably still be here, but I don't know if Neo Soul will last as long as the blue as I don't know. Well, we want to get everybody's opinion on that. We want to thank everybody that's on the phone line. Thank everybody that's in the chat board. Um, Say that one more time. We have a caller that wants to come in, I think. We have a caller? Go ahead and bring him in. Yeah. Caller 601. You have a comment? Yo, what up? What's going on? How you doing? Huh? I'm good, man. This is Jay Jada. What up? Jay, Jay, Jay. What's going on, man? Man, chilling, chilling, chilling. I was just, I mean, I was just calling, you know what I'm saying? Show y'all supporting the show or whatever. I, I really just like tune in or whatever, so I really don't know what y'all talking about right now. I said we're talking about the death of urban music and why urban music isn't being played right now, why it's not really selling right now. You have any opinions on that, Zeta? You saying like urban music as in like hip hop or I heard y'all hip hop and R and B. Yeah. Yeah, hip hop and R and B. I'll tell you what, Jada, do me a favor. Hold on to the line. We're going to go ahead and go to our uh, our second song of the day. And we're going to – this is Kendrick, the Family Soul. I want you to pay attention to the lyrics of this song because it sounds like a love song, but they're actually talking about the state of the music business. This is The Middleman presents Talk of the Town with Nick Eden. Kendrick, the Family Soul, can't help it. Turn the music down. Turn me up. Seems it's the season for breaking up Don't know why we keep making up In the street, don't seem to be catching on Sex is the norm when I turn my radio on Lately I sing, I'll be singing the blues Can't you be breaking in your walking shoes Seems like I'm gonna be paying dues forever.
And so, um, you know, it's the common record is a great record too, but Jesus Walks was the first one came to mind. But I really want to say that I think the change came in hip hop when the what you would call it the dope game or whatever changed up when all these young cats end up getting all this money and they was trying to find a way to flip it. You know, I have been in the studio with some cats that had so much money, it was just ridiculous. I I don't know if I would ever see that much money. And they couldn't even read and write. And they wanted me to be a ghostwriter for them because they was like, like, darn, your lyrics are so dope. But do you know it was so hard trying to teach them because if you can't read and write, then you got to try to rap the verse for yep. them and you got to teach yep. them the verse and, and teach yep. them how it go and how to put the feeling yep. to it because it's not fair. Yep. And I remember when Lil Wayne them came out and my mom was kind of passionate about music. She's, you know, rest her soul, she's not here anymore. But she was, I was like, uh, I hate them. I was like, look at them running around with their pants sagging and this and that when they first came out. And she was like, you know what? But it's something there. I see some talent. And then she's like, and they are smart. She was like, they're going to do some things. And you know what? They were smart about the way they went about getting their contract and everything set up with their money. But it was, it, it was no matter how you see it, it was dirty money that they started with, you know. But everybody isn't able to have the same progress and, and flip things in the same way. And when you don't have the intelligence, you know, to apply something behind it. So now every young boy who gets a hold to some money who think he can go get, a, you know, a little keyboard and do this or that, you know. But at the same time, I have met some talented cats that could, you know, at the same time, play the drums and keyboards and saxophones. But that dope game got them caught up. And when I went to look for them again to try to help them out, they like, oh, he's doing 30 years. Oh, he's doing 40. And these, you know, kids went to 18, 19, you know. And so at the same time, you know, I think that's where everything changed. It's like anybody can get in the business now, you know. So that's when the quality started deteriorating. Well, Don, let me say this, I, and, and from, the, the, from the aspect of art, so we're going to go ahead and get ready to wrap it up tonight. I, I, I'll say this much. You're right. We have, there are a lot more avenues for people to get into the business now, and it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, um, if you come from an area like for those of us who did grow up in Mississippi, we know that we didn't have many outlets to the music industry at all. So there are a lot of opportunities for talent to finally get heard. But they're not, you know, at, at the same time, you have to filter through, filter through more now. Because now anybody can put a song on iTunes. Now anybody can put a song on, on, on YouTube, you know. You can get you can get a video on YouTube singing someone else's song and end up being a bigger star than them. Right. You get, you know. Exactly. And, and these, things, these things happen. I think at the end of the day, no one can deny when you hear a hit record. And what I'm what I mean by that, music is the type of thing that invokes emotion. It evokes emotion out of people. And I just want to thank you for your call, John. And make sure you tune in next week and don't forget to tune in this Sunday on the Middleman Talk Show, six PM Eastern. We're gonna have Kevin, he's gonna put down his coffee. You know, he's gonna <laughs> actually really interact with us this Sunday. 
But this is the thing about music, and, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it with this. Music can take us back to a point in life where we can remember exactly what we were doing. We can remember what we were smelling at the time. We can remember what we were made of it, eating or drinking. We can remember that taste. The music that is R and B and soul. This music. It can make you laugh, it can make you cry, it can make you want to fight, it can make you want to make love. This music is too important for us to just let it decline. So I'm saying to all my artists out there, I'm challenging you to make the best records that you can make. And I'm challenging all the fans to support those artists. We've got one more caller. We're going to take them real quick and then we're going to wrap it up. Caller, you're now live with the middleman. Hey, what's happening? This is Chucky Charles. What's going on, Chuck? Yeah, nothing much, man. Appreciate the love. I just wanted to kind of sit back and check out what people were talking about tonight because uh, basically, you know, I listen to a lot of people coming to the studio. Of course, this is what I do for a living. So I listen to a lot of stories, and I like to kind of sit back and observe and listen and see what's going on. But uh, the last caller that just called, she hit it on the head. You know, I mean, it's like a free-for-all out here now when it comes to music. I mean, just like a fraternity or a sorority there was, you know, it, you had to come with something. There was a requirement to get into that, those, those uh, structures. Now in the game, it's just a free-for-all. People come out and they, they want to be a rapper, so it, it's, it's, it's really nothing to really to get involved with it, you know. Um, but, yeah, she hit it on the head with that. I just want to call and say, hey, to my man, Kevin, and the rest of y'all over there and say what's up. But uh, it's a yes, good sir, show tonight. Man. I enjoyed listening in. We appreciate you, man. Listen in with us this Sunday and next Thursday. This Sunday will be the middleman. The full the full crew will be there. And next Thursday will be Talk the Town with Nick Eden again. So make sure you listen in. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. Y'all take it easy. All right. We definitely want to thank everybody for calling in today. We want to thank everybody for listening in today. Uh, once again, you know, we can't do this without you. We've been going two years strong with the middleman. want to give a big shout-out to everybody in the uh, in the chat board. Covenant Man, Dub G is in there, Southside Hall. So we definitely want to thank everybody for everything they've done for for these last two years. And we're not going to stop. We're going to keep it going. Don't forget to tune in this Sunday, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the middleman, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go ahead and take us out with that intro, Kara. The middleman shouted, Big Chris shouted, what you was tuning in to, we'll pay attention to the real talk, what we here for, so take a listen time, I take a minute, shout in and learn some, put your mind to grind the world, you destined to earn some, Linda, yeah, comment on what you hear, let's figure out this master plan and put this thing in gear, don't matter if you hood or you corporate, don't get you got a will to do way better than you were doing, well then you fortunate, take a stand, stop complaining about what you ain't got, hating on the next man, cause he was dying to wreck shop. Every Sunday, tune in, go live, 6 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, the middle me. Hey, what's happening, the middle me? Hey, what's happening, the middle me? Hey, what's happening, blogtalkradio.com, the middle me. Hey. That was one in the hole. You put that coffee down on your head? Yeah, yeah, man. Hey. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.